Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars to The Office to cosplay to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride with a discussion of the show Sense8. Um, before we get into discussion of Sense8, I want to just make an announcement that we now um, have sponsorship active. So basically, what you have to, what you, all you have to do, is click on our link in Anchor, and you should be able to donate there. Uh, it's a monthly donation of anywhere from 99, 99 cents to nine ninety nine. And that money, all everything that we receive from that, will until September first be donated to various Black Lives Matter organizations. And one of the organizations we're supporting is National Black Justice Coalition. And National Black Justice Coalition is a civil rights organization dedicated to empowering black, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. Um, And if you want to visit them, if you'd rather just donate directly to them, go to nbjc.org and you'll be able to find more information about them. Um, And then we are also, as you've probably heard, we have one advertisement now um, and working on getting other sponsors. And any money we make from that, once again, through September 1st at least, will be donated to Black Lives Matter organizations. I am still working on trying to figure out the silent auction thing. I really do still want to try and do that. Um, We do have people working on merchandise, so hopefully that will happen soon. And then also I want to mention that if you become a sponsor – Um, we will hopefully either in the month of July or August be doing a random selection of one sponsor to be on a podcast, uh, which will be to be announced. Um, I'm thinking I might even let whoever that guest is decide what they would like to talk about. So that's one little perk you'll get for becoming a monthly sponsor of our show. So go ahead and check that out. Okay, so before we get into all things Sensei, again, I'm going to have our panel introduce themselves. I'll start with you, Joyce. Oh, and tell me one thing you're into in pop culture right now. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, hi, I'm Joyce. I uh, have been friends with Aaron forever, and I'm super excited to be back on the podcast, especially for Sense8, because I love this show. Um, one thing I'm into right now is Pod Save the People. 
It's a really good yeah. that I've been listening to for a long time. Um, and when I first started listening to it, it was a little bit devastating and enraging because it's really about what's going on um, to people of color in America. Um, but it really did motivate me and empower me to make changes in my life uh, that allowed me to use my privilege to help other people and do that intentionally. So I'm very grateful for it. And I think it's really helpful to be informed um, so that you can lift others up. And I think that's a good tool to do it because those people have been fighting the fight for a long time and they know it works. So it's a good, good, good mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah? Yeah, I'm Sarah Alder. I am, this is my wife, Joyce. So this is the first time <laughs> to do this podcast with her. I think this is the third time we've seen Sense8. And every time we watch it, at least I, every time I watch it, I see something different or experiencing experience something new and more in depth. And I, I just love the complexity of it. But Right now in fandom, pop culture, I've been binge watching a lot of LGBTQ cinema. And right now I'm on my third round of watching Sense8. So that's all I've been really doing. (laughs) Every once in a while I pick up my book on the history of coffee shops and coffee. So that's something I'm, I'm doing and we'll be opening a coffee shop in hopefully the near future. Woo woo. Yeah. And it'll be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that'll be awesome. So cool. And this is Aaron. And what I'm into is uh, this movie called Clemency. You can watch it on Hulu right now. Um, and I wish this movie had gotten more attention last year. It uh, stars Alfre Woodard, Richard Schiff, and Aldous Hodge. And um, it is directed by, and I'm sorry, I will probably butcher her name, so I apologize, Chinyoni Chukwu. I prob- I'm sure I said that wrong, so I deeply apologize. Um, but she is a black filmmaker, um, and this movie takes a look at, at Bernadette, who is a warden in a prison um, and she it take, takes a look at execution and the death row and focuses on an inmate who is scheduled to be executed played by Aldous Hodge um, and focuses also on ter- lawyers that are trying to overturn his conviction. Um, and so it's a very, very, very depressing watch. Um, but I think it's very important to watch, especially right now. And also the performances, Alfre Woodard is simply incredible in this, as is Aldous Hodge. So he's, I mean, just incredible. Very, very painful scenes, um, very, a lot of emotion. Um, there's also Wendell, per- Wendell, Pierce, Wendell Pierce, I'm sorry, Pierce is in this movie. Um, and Danielle Brooks, who is probably best known for her work in Orange is the New Black. Um, they're both in it as well, and we need to support um, black female movie creators. So um, go out and watch this one on Hulu. Um, and like I said, it's not an easy watch, but I think it's an important watch. Plus, you'll get to see some incredible performances. Okay, so let's get into Sense8. And before I kind of hand a lot of this over to Joyce and Sarah, um, and I'm going to explain why. I tried to watch this. I have been told for 
since this premiered how good this show was and how great this show is and and you know i know the fandom for this show is incredibly passionate they still on posts when netflix is announcing a new season of a show of one of their new original shows you still will occasionally have people on there saying we want a third season of sense8 um so it has this powerful powerful fan base behind it um a lot of people said there's just n- no other show like this show um they said it's very unique um and i did go in with all the intention of watching all these episodes and understanding everything and i will say and it could be just my brain lately and my mind but i just could not personally get into it or understand a lot of what was going on but i am excited to discuss this and get a better understanding and a better feel for the show from two super fans of the show um i and then if you're wondering if you have if you don't know what Sense Eight is, and it's from the Witch House, which, uh, I'm seeing, I cannot which say knows? anything. Thank you, Wachowskis, <laughs> um, who are probably best known for uh, the Matrix, but you know they've done other things since then, like V for Vendetta, um, Speed Racer, which I will actually defend that movie. I know most people hate it, but I will defend that movie uh, because it's exactly what it should be. Um, but the story of Sense Eight. Um, let me just give a brief overview. It's a group of people around the world are suddenly linked mentally and must find a way to survive being hunted by those who see them as a threat to the world's order. That's just a very brief synopsis. I know there's, it's a lot deeper than that. Um, So what I first want to do is just ask you guys um, sort of what drew you into this show. If you have any favorite episodes you want to call out or storylines or anything like that before we get into the characters. I'll start with you, Joyce. Yes. So Sarah watched this show before I did. And the first thing I heard about it was how very excited she was about this group sex scene. That was like (laughs) eight different people. And I was like, okay, that sounds a little edgy. Like what? Um, And I, that really did not entice me to want to watch it. I was like, kind of weird. And, uh, um, but I can't remember what made me actually watch it. I think she was just like so enthusiastic about it that I, I watched it and um, I just really love the opening credits. I really love that about it. Um, And I really love just how in general, the theme of the show is how connected we are as humans and how powerful that is. And so That definitely, I think, is the underlying theme of everything. You know, they filmed it in different places all over the world. They had different people um, and that were from different cultures and identified differently. And that was so refreshing to have a show convey how diverse we are and how connected we are at the same time. So I really love that theme of the show. And um, I have a million different favorite (laughs) storylines and relationships in the show. Um, And it's hard to pick one, but Mm -hmm. we'll probably get into that more in depth. Yeah. And and I'm just curious because Sarah said that one of the reasons you should watch it (laughs) 
hates that sex scene. I'm just curious when you got to watching that, did you understand why Sarah said that? Or was there, I mean, I'll have Sarah explain that too, but were you? Yeah, no, that's a good question because I really like in my mind was prepared to not like that scene because it's just not my, I don't know. I'm just not super into like um, watching group sex scenes. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just not really what does it for me, you know, no judgment on people that are into that, but um, I just was like really prepared not to like that. But that's another thing that I really love about this show is that I feel like they really represent sex in a beautiful way and it's and it's honored as a way to connect and there are multiple points in the show where they actually can compare um, having sex to like a religious experience and um, I've always thought of sex that way as like God's intention for us is to explore our bodies and have fun and connect with each other and play and really be liberated and free in that instead of having judgment or condemnation or self-doubt or shame, which is so often associated with sex. And so that's another thing that I really love about this show. So when that group sex scene came on, I was like, wow, I understand why you loved this so much. Yeah, because, I mean, if you were to hear that, you'd be like, okay, this is why you're recommending a show to me, you know? I mean, even... it's really hard to describe. <laughs> I mean, even if you are into that, even if you are into watching group sex, it still might be, you know, a weird thing to have someone say, this is why you should, you should <laughs> watch it. But and And, you know, coming from someone who, like I said, was completely lost watching this show I will say I do agree with I mean there is a lot of sex in the show but it's never gratuitous it's never um um what is the word I'm looking for it 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 never feels uh like they're like this is a weird way to put it but it never feels like the camera is getting off on watching people have sex yeah it never yeah it, it it like you said, Joyce, it feels more like a celebration of the intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, so I don't, so I don't know if that's kind of which, what, one of the reasons you said that, Sarah, but I'll get, I'll turn it over to you then, Sarah. So what was it that got you into this show and why, when you made the recommendation, what is it about that scene that is so important? Um, okay. So I got into this show after, um, after watching Cloud Atlas, which is also done by the Wachowskis. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that I love about the Wachowskis is they have some key actors that they use quite consistently. Uh, One in particular is Joe Pantoliano. He was in Bound, and he was in this movie. He was in The Matrix. Um, Dana, uh, I'm trying to remember all of the characters, actors' names, Let's see, I have that. Duna Bay, Duna Bay, she's in other movies, and Tuppets Middleton. So they, they've all been in um, Cloud Atlas. And so I was trying to find more stuff of what they were they had created and that I hadn't seen. So I stumbled upon this and I saw it on Netflix. And I was like, all right, I'll give this a try. I'll, I'll, I'm so, I'm kind of curious about it anyway. 
So I started watching it and I just loved the, the, the vibrancy and the color and the life that they bring to the whole entire experience of being a human being and the complexity and the, the, uh, the, just the beauty and the, and the, and just this raw uh, dynamic of <clears throat> how different cultures are portrayed. And it's just, beautiful and dirty and messy in in its own way and uh, I think one of the things that really struck me with that the first sex scene was the the intense emotional and mental deep connection that you can have with somebody and how euphoric you get in that experience when you're connecting with somebody and you get lost and and where do you end and where do they begin and and like it just flows so much and how they use the imagery in their filmmaking really portrayed that complexity of how connecting with somebody is just so beautiful and flowing and it can be sexual and intimate and raw and rough and very like just natural and they they do it in such a way where it's not sexualized but it's sexy at the same time and it's they they do that beautifully throughout the whole the whole se- series, uh, just portraying sexuality and intimacy in ways that are beautiful and uh, showing the human dynamic of just being vulnerable and intimate and seeing your partner in such a beautiful way and being seen in that in that that experience too and I. That's what really spoke to me. And you can't really explain that because you're so, ex- I was so excited about it. I was like, oh my God, you have to see this amazing connection and the things are happening and there's explosions and fireworks and it's amazing. And it, it's hard to really per- convey that when, when you see the connection of the, that somebody else is having and the connection of the characters and how they get to utilize each other's skills and strengths and abilities and call upon each other. And like, I love that feeling and, and the portrayal of connectedness that, that they use throughout the whole series that you don't see in any other type of show. You don't see how people are so intimately and innately connected. And um, they kind of give the storyline that we're a separate, they are a separate species from human beings and but they're all also dependent on each other and there's a um uh, forget the word uh, yeah mutual dependency and um a symbiotic relationship is what i'm looking for where you can't exist without the other and it helps each other grow and we remember how connected we are and that's really the overall message of the show and then, of course, there's some amazing, I ship the whole entire cluster. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I really ship um, Kala and Wolfgang and Rajan and um, Nomi and Amanita. Like, they, there's some amazing family dynamics that they bring to the whole entire show of even Amanita's family where she's got three dads. <laughs> and and one mom who's super hippy dippy and they're they're it's just so diverse and it shows the colorful complexity of humanity 
in such a beautiful way. That's a beautiful way to put it, even though, I mean, I really enjoy hearing people talk about shows that mean a lot to them, especially if it's something that I have never really watched or it's something that maybe I, I hadn't seen before. I hadn't, hadn't noticed before. Um, it can make you more interested. It also shows you um, how powerful media can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and how beautiful it can be when done right and how much it can mean when done right. Um, and I want to say I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but um the Wachowskis have said that they basically think every character in this show is pansexual. Pansexual is something that is not represented a lot in media. It's not talked about a lot. You don't see a lot of characters that are pansexual. I mean, still working on trying to get accurate bisexual representation. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one hurdle. And so trying to get pansexual representation is a whole other uh, ball of wax and they they have stated that do you guys agree with that do you agree with that Joyce um <clears throat> I don't know I never thought about that I'm gonna let Sarah go first and then <laughs> okay yeah I was looking at the the agenda regarding pansexuality and so like this can cross over into pansexuality and also um polyamory in some way yeah because a lot of these characters end up with a primary relationship of some sort, but then they also have this um, interconnected relationship with each other and it's flowing and, and dynamic and, and very interesting. I think one of the fun- funniest scenes was when Leto um, finally meets Will for, for realsies and he's like, well, who are you? And Leto was like, oh, we had sex. We had sex the first time we met, <laughs> that was, <laughs> which is funny because in, in the explanation of that scene, that's actually Leto's first scene with the entire crew is a huge sex scene with like five other people. So it's, um, he, and Will was like, ah, uh, uh, he's kind of stumbling over that and it kind of blew his mind. And so you could see his brain kind of wrapping around what it is to experience love and sensua- sensuality and sexuality somebody other than just a woman and Mm -hmm. so that just kind of blew his mind and so you see him evolve throughout the series where he becomes way more open to a sexuality where it's just it's really just genuine connection and there's nothing wrong with being with a man or a woman or I mean he's with a gay man and then he's also with a straight man and and it's just complex but it's beautiful and it's just it it's messy but it's I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know any, any other way to describe it other than mm-hmm. it being like a watercolor coming together and it flows and it, and it works and um, defining a color doesn't necessarily uh, take any power from it, but when it's all together, it creates a beautiful tapestry. And that's kind of how I see them conveying their pansexuality, that they all have their own individual colors, but they all together are making a masterpiece that's that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, and I'll say, um, and I want to clarify, it was it was Lana Wachowski. She um, is the one who mainly thinks that they are all the main, all the main characters are pansexual. So I just mm-hmm. want to clarify that. Um, and I will say, you know, this is off topic, sort of, but um, in Schitt's Creek, because I can, say, David to me, David is pansexual. Sure. Um, 
And when David describes, you know, describes that when he's describing wine and how sometimes he likes a rosé and sometimes he likes a red and, and he's open too. to this. And it's the most beautiful way to describe that. And what you were saying, Sarah, just kind of reminded me of that scene because, you know, it is very rare that you will ever see characters like that in media, especially in media that is going to be seen by a quote unquote mainstream audience. Uh Um, And so to be, to have it be portrayed in a beautiful light and not in a um, judgmental light or um, like so often has happened where sometimes you'll portray people as sluts for lack of a better word. Um, And so it's very unique when you see that and we need more of it. So it's really, to me, it's awesome in this show that, that characters are, are pansexual. Um, and that's, that's a very, very, very unique thing. Um, and I know that when this show first came out, I remember one of the biggest, biggest things that people loved about it was, and we've talked a lot about it already, was how they handled sex and sexuality. And, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people said it was the most honest depiction they had ever seen of sex and intimacy um and so i just i just wanted to make sure to mention that because i know that is i'm glad that we've talked about that a lot because i know that's a big reason actually that people loved this show was how honest it was um you know even though it's got the sci-fi elements to it (laughs) having that honesty is is pretty important I think it's interesting that, um, so like the definition of being pansexual is not limited in sexual choice Mm -hmm. with regard to biological sex, gender, or gender identity. And that is just so in alignment with what this show is, because it, it kind of celebrates being unlimited and being like, you know, completely free and celebrating what you are and who you are and how you're connected to others. And I just want to add on to what Sarah said about how you saw um, the growth of Will. I enjoyed seeing the growth of Kala, how Mm -hmm. like in the beginning she was so, what's the word, prude? She was like (laughs) really prude in the beginning. and, (laughs) And like, just like completely aghast by, um, you know, always, seeing Wolfgang naked just like randomly around her life there was like this naked guy (laughs) just you know and it was like horrifying to her and then she just you know gradually was loved enough by her husband and by Wolfgang to embrace you know truly honoring herself and who she is and what she wants because she couldn't even do that for herself she was too afraid of it so I think it's really interesting that they um, you know, categorize everyone on the show as pansexual and that they portrayed it as an evolving, flexible, fluid thing, which we're all coming to understand more and more, I think, is what sexuality is and not necessarily something that we're absolutely defined by forever. You know, it's really easy to put labels on it, but I do think it is fluid and it changes and it grows just like we do. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, that's a really good way to put it too. So let's, uh, let's get into talking about the characters. 
Um, and I'm just going to go down the line here. I'm mainly going off of, it's not in any particular order, but I'm going off of just the characters that have been in every single episode. We'll cover those first. And then if there are other characters you want to make sure to give a mention to, we'll do that as well. Um, but let's start, let's start first, just because the show kind of opens up with her. Uh, let's start with Daryl Hannah's character, Angelica Turing. So what are your thoughts on her, Joyce? Um, you know, it's interesting watching it again, because the first time I was kind of like really confused about who she was and she just seemed always in distress and like really sad um and now that I, I have watched it again i've realized that there are a lot of moments where she's happy um and she's guiding other people and leading them and she's kind of like a mother figure um and i was so surprised to see daryl hannah in anything like i haven't seen her in anything since splash <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which isn't saying much because I don't watch that much stuff. But um, yeah, I thought she did a really good job with the character. And I'm just astounded at how in-depth this show goes and how every single character is very well thought out. And every everything they say, everything they do just seems really intentional and really thoughtful okay and then you sarah um i thought her um character was a good representation of uh, the potential terror that they could feel and experience if something happened to their cluster and so that um, gave them gave the characters a reality check as to how incredibly special and important they were. And you can, see, like Joyce said, you could see the joy that she did have in, on certain scenes where she was just so happy that she could see her children of her cl that cluster actually connect and embrace each other and embrace who they are and come together and show up for each other. But then there was also times where she was terrified for their potential suffering because as a mother, you know, you want to be able to protect your children. And so it's, um, it was a really interesting portrayal of um, that motherly dynamic of you, you just wanting to protect your children. And she would do, she would basically die to protect them. And I thought that was a beautiful representation of motherhood to some extent and um, um, she, she did whatever she could to protect that protect her her cluster because she she'd lost so much but she also knew um, the cost of her actions that she took against her own kind and so I think she was trying to have one last chance at redemption through this cluster and that's definitely something that she did accomplish. Great. And, um, yeah, like, I, I mean, I just remember her in the first episode and being a little bit confused about what was going on. Um, <laughs> but, 
but no, she was really good. And it's, it's always nice to see her. I think, um, Daryl Hannah, I mean, um, I think she's one of those actresses that got kind of pushed aside once she reached a certain age, although she's done since done stuff, you know, um, you know, she's been in Kill Bill movies, of course, is probably what she's most known for after, you know, her work in the 80s. Um, but it was nice to see her. And it was a very different depiction of giving birth in the beginning. Um, different than anything I'd ever seen before. And I don't know quite how to describe that, but it just seemed a little bit more, um, I was going to say rustic, but that sounds like a weird way to put it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, primal. That's, that's yeah. the word I would use. Yeah. That, it just seemed a lot more primal than I've seen before. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I I really like how um, uh, Jonas Maliki, Naveen Andrews character conveys to Will that um, clusters can be given birth by any gender so it's not just females that can give that birth so oh, I love I, I love the the diversity in birth and how it's not limited to one specific sex um okay let's get into how about sun what are your feelings on sun Joyce oh my gosh I love sun so much okay uh, where should I begin? <laughs> I just, <laughs> I love, like, it, the first time I watched it, I was like, why is she going to such lengths to help her brother and her dad? They are so terrible to her. They don't even acknowledge her existence, really, except to put her down. And I didn't understand it. And then the second time I watched it, I really understood that she was doing it for her mother because her mother was dying. And she basically said, like, please take care of your brother. Your father loves him, but it doesn't mean he loves you less. And so that gave me a different, different lens to view her with. And she did so much stuff to like please her father and try and get in his good graces and she learned how to fight and she she basically you know did whatever she could to get him to pay attention to her and he just never did and then she like sacrificed herself and still was you know basically her brother tried to murder her and through all of it she was she was so one of the things I love about her is she says very few words but she's a force like you can feel her strength mm -hmm. you can feel her power and she doesn't need to say much um to have great impact you know and <laughs> I just think that's so refreshing to see a woman that has that kind of power um, and to see a woman just like kicking ass through the whole thing is just like so empowering. I love that. And um, I love her relationship with her dog. Like every, <laughs> every other character has like 
friends and family that mean a lot to them. And for her, it's her dog. And I like totally can relate to that so much that like her, you know, the big prize that her friend gave to her on her birthday was like in prison was like a drawing of her dog. And it was like, you know, I just love that they honored that those relationships can be as precious as human relationships. And like, the first thing she wanted to do when she got out of prison was go and visit her dog. And it was like this beautiful reunion. And I just (laughs) love that. Um, So I love what a badass she is. And I love how, even though she's really powerful, um, and she gets victimized a lot by other people she never is a victim she never is it's cool yeah and I of course which will be a shock to none of you but um I of course relate to the dog thing too so um, (laughs) I like dogs more than most people (laughs) and then your thoughts on sun Sarah well sun is like I love how she shows up for Caffius and is his um, vision of what Jean-Claude Van Damme is, <laughs> and, like the spirit of Jean-Claude. And, and I think that's a great representation because she does have that strength and that resilience and that courage that he is always trying to tap into. And she's a great representation of that. But I also like how her uh, inmate, um, that she's a cellmate with, she says to um, never lose her soft heart. And she has the heart of a bird Mm -hmm. and it's so gentle and delicate. And that's so true. And she's like, got this like genuine softness and delicate nature about who she is. And you could see it like when she's not intensely fighting, She's like, she's very delicate, but she, like Joyce said, she doesn't play the victim. She just is a gentle, genuine person. And she is a woman of few words, but when she has that passion, it comes out in her fist. And one of the ways that she described that really well is that she, she said in one episode where she puts everything that she loves into her hand and balls it into a fist and then she fights for it. Mm-hmm. And I love that representation because that is really an indication of who she is as a character. And so she only puts, she puts her, her passions uh, before her and that's what she fights for. And um it, it also, her character also conveys that you can be a smart, successful businesswoman and be a fighter and not be a victim. And so you can have all these different dynamics and representation of who you are as a woman, especially as an Asian woman. Uh, she's not just one specific thing. And uh, oftentimes we get stuck in the stereotypes of what uh, Korean or Chinese or Japanese women are. And we always, at least for me, I typically envision somebody who is either um, a home caretaker of some sort that has given up all of her identity in order to take care of her family and her husband and her sons and doesn't get to live her their dreams in any way, shape, or form. But Sun is a, is a uh, counterexample to what is possible. Hmm. 
I like that. Um, and then uh, your thoughts on Nomi, Joyce. And I want to say first before we do that, I just want to say really quickly that it's important to recognize that the actress that plays Nomi is um, a trans woman in real life, too. And we've mentioned this on a couple of episodes that it's really important for representation and for trans actors to be able to play trans characters. So I just want to mention that really quickly. Um, Joyce, your thoughts on Nomi? Um, Nomi is just so endearing because she's so, like, I love in the part where she's like, why do I show up in these moments? Because I'm a bigger chicken than like most of the people here. <laughs> Cause she is like, she is a little bit afraid. Um, but she, she is brave. She fights through it. Um, but as like compared to the other people, like she's not out there beating people up or anything like that. She's like really good on the computer and can fight in that way. But um, she's <laughs> she's not as uh, physically strong in the same way as a lot of the other characters are. And I find that really endearing about her um, because she is super strong in a certain way, but she also is super, comes across as super delicate. I don't know. Um, and so I just think she's so sweet and she has all these people around her that will just fight for her no matter what. And they really are loyal and like her relationship with Amanita is just so incredible and I'm so grateful that that relationship is in the story because it's so honest and compelling and like Amanita is just like oh you are hearing the voices of a bunch of other people that I can't see okay cool well what should we do now like she's just <laughs> like so fine with it and so supporting and it doesn't even occur to her like not to believe Nomi or to make her feel bad about it or question it and she Amanita actually reminds me of Sarah in that way she's just like okay yeah that sounds good um and so I, just, I love Nomi for what she stands up for, how she stands up to her family and defines who she is, even though it means that they're, you know, completely rejecting her um, and that she surrounds herself with people who truly have her back and love her and honor her. And I like that is a beautiful strength. And the fact that she's able to do that even though her true self is a little bit, uh, I don't know if delicate is the right word, but like, she's just not the kind of person that would like punch you in the face. I don't think she would like, <laughs> she has other ways of fighting and um, she fights well. And I, yeah, I love her. I totally ship her and Amanita. <laughs> and you, Sarah? I love Nomi and I love the authentic journey that they share about her transition and how she's constantly start striving to be acknowledged for her identity. Like her mom pisses me off so oh, bad, but she's constantly calling him Michael. 
And I'm just like, no, it's know me. And like she, her mom and everybody else keeps correcting her, know me, know me, know me. And, um, and, and that really, like that background really creates some context to the fight that she's had to really get to, to get to where she is as not only an actress, but also as a, as the character. But then you have Amanita that comes in. It's just like her biggest fucking cheerleader. And she's amazing and supportive and just sees her for who she is. And they enjoy these beautiful moments together where they just genuinely appreciate each other. So I, I ship them so hard. And Me too. <laughs> I think another one of the dynamics that I, I definitely want to call and call in, in is how bug comes into the picture and, tries to wrap his head around his Nomi moving, changing from Michael to Nomi. And he's like, Oh my God. But he still calls him her buddy, which I love. <laughs> I think it's great. It's so cute. Cause you know, I've had guy friends that have called me buddy and it's, it's, it's endearing. And um, so I think I just kind of related to that a little bit, but just um, I, I love their, their three-way dynamic of how supportive and inclusive they are of each other and how they have Bug come with them in their Christmas adventures where he's like, oh my God, I get to go. And he's just so <laughs> excited that he gets to be part of like a family. And he's just, he's just genuine and he honors Nomi for who she is as a person, and, but also like really supports her abilities as a hacktivist and she really plays to her strengths and that's really what she brings to the table and she's very knowledgeable she's got this amazing skill set that none of them have and she is there to help everyone in her cluster and it's it's really amazing to see how everybody brings their skills and abilities in a very particular way i can i add to that i also yeah. love bug and the first time I watched it I was like this guy is really kooky like what is his deal and then like as you watch the show you realize that he's just got this golden heart and he genuinely he's kind of a goofball but he genuinely wants the best for his friend and he like hugs people when he first meets them and he's so so sweet and um, <laughs> just to add to the whole conversation about sexuality and the transgender thing like I love how they convey sex scenes between Nomi and Amanita because it's truly passionate they're actually having orgasms and I think there's a lot of um, mystery around that and like people aren't really informed about it and I'm certainly not completely informed but it's really beautiful to see uh, you know, people of all different identifications and different, um, you know, sexes having true, passionate, beautiful sex and, you know, having orgasms and having that deep connection. I love that they, like, I just love their sex scenes. They're so great. <laughs> <laughs> See, now she's talking about the sex scenes. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about Amanita then. Let's get into her then. So, Joyce, you've already started talking a little bit about her, but what are your thoughts about her in general or overall? Uh, I love her background. Like Sarah said, I love that her mom is like 
dating three men and she has three dads. And that's one of the things that I really admire about this show is it really pushes the limits of what we think of as a relationship. And um, so I love that because you can, you can see how it defines her character and her personality that she just came up in an unconventional family, but it was full of love. You can tell how loved she is. And she is able to embody that for Nomi and in her relationship. So like there's a scene where her friends, when they first meet Nomi are kind of mean to her. And Nomi is, that's one of the reasons that I kind of think of her as delicate is she doesn't fight them. She's just like, I'm out of here. And, and Amanita follows her and Mm -hmm. she is loyal to her. And they have this beautiful connection that, both of them understand and are grateful for how unique and special it is. And um, I just love that Amanita will do fucking anything for Nomi. (laughs) Like she'll do anything for her. And she's just so, I just believe that is truly what you do for love. You do whatever's required and it's beautiful to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I remember that scene as well. That was, that was a, that was a good scene. That was during the, their first Pride together, right? In San yeah, Francisco? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. And then your thoughts, Sarah? I love Amanita's character. I like that she has... Her hair is just as colorful as her personality. <laughs> and um, like she is just so free-spirited, but she's so centered in who she is. And she, she just knows who she is. But she's also a little dorky and nerdy, especially like when they break into the doctor's house and she's like, he can't be all that bad. He's, she pulls out a Nancy Drew book. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that was so nerdy. And then she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to light you on fire with my hairspray and my lighter. And like, she's, she's ready to fight. She's, she's creative. She's, she's fierce. She's loyal. She is intense, but she's also like realistic and grounded as like she's so well-rounded and I think that really speaks to her mom's educational background of her being a a teacher and really um, educating her and teaching her to be a free spirit and um, definitely the hippie era stages of things from her parent her mom's generation but you can tell that there, like Joyce said, there's just so much love and genuine connection and honoring each other for where you're at and who you are in her family that really drives her character and is the foundation for who she is. Yeah, she struck me as, um, I don't know, she struck me as as a character that um, I would probably end up liking the most on the show. She... Uh, just seemed very dynamic. She had a very dynamic personality. Um, I loved the way she treated Nomi um, in this in the scenes I saw, and I loved just her spirit in general um, from what I saw. So yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about Kala. What are your thoughts on her, Joyce? Um, she's cute. <laughs> <laughs> She's really cute. Um, I love her relationship with her dad. I love that so much. Like he really genuinely sees her and he is a true guiding force for her. 
um, in her life. And he always knows when something is wrong. Like I love when he's like feeding her food and he's like, look, I tried all these different spices. And she's like, he's like, tell me what you think. And she's like eating the recipe, but she's totally checked out and not paying attention (laughs) at all. And he's like, and I put some ground up. I don't know. I can't remember what he said, but it's something really weird. And she's like, yeah. And then he's like, and I put some poop in here. And she's like, that's my favorite. And he's like, what? (laughs) What is wrong? And she's like, oh, sorry. (laughs) So so I just love that he like sees her and knows when she's off and is able to talk with her and guide her. Um, And I love how prude she is in the beginning and how she progresses to really loving herself and honoring herself and being able to love Wolfgang and her husband. Rajan. Rajan, yeah. And um, I love how smart she is and that you don't really discover that until later in the show. And it's not a defining quality of who she is. Because I feel like a lot of times characters in shows are like, the smart one, the doctor, and it's like such a defining thing about who they are, but that wasn't the case for her. It was like a side note. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you, Sarah? I love Kala. She definitely has this interesting journey, and I, I love that they portray the Hindu culture in such a beautiful way, and um, I love the scenes where she's talking to Ganesh in, in the temple, and she's <laughs> She's just, like, very confused. She's just, like, this little girl that's just this wide-eyed little girl just fascinated with the world and how it's functioning. And it's so confusing. And she always needs Ganesh's guidance. And um, so I love that. And that it shows um, this beautiful aspect of um, the Hindu faith that is so colorful and beautiful. And um, I, I'm so excited to one day go to India. But... Um, yeah, her character, she she has this major evolution. And one of the things that she told Wolfgang in one scene was that um, there's something bright and beautiful in you, but then there's also something dark and terrible in me. Mm-hmm. And that really can shows the the balance and, and, and things that all the uh, cluster members were pulling in and out of each other and, like, really... Uh, striving to get each other to live authentically and Kala doesn't come to that until later in season two where she actually is she gets shot but then heals and realizes how much she just really wants to be with Rajan but she also wants to be with Wolfgang and it turns into this like threesome experience and Rajan's like all right the happy wife happy life kind of a thing (laughs) where he's like I'm all in I've never been with a dude before but it's but that goes to the pansexuality of things he's not even in the cluster but he um, knows that it's a it's part of who Kala is and he wants to honor her but but keep her at the same time and so I just love the selflessness of their relationship and how he really shows up for her there's this a uh, constant resistance in questioning and, and and seeking external guidance from Ganesha or whoever else or her father and she finally steps into her own power and I and, and I love that journey that she she goes through. Great. 
Well, let's talk about Wolfgang then. Let's get into Wolfgang then. Um, Joyce? Wolfgang, he's a little complicated. Um, his story is so sad. Uh, and that's another thing that I like about this show is how many different dynamics they show with parents. Um, and some of them are really horrible and hard to watch. And some of them are really extraordinary. And I like how, because they're part of the cluster, they get access to the other's experience with their parents in some way and how you know what a gift that is and for those that don't have that um so i like how they show the birth of everyone and i never noticed this the first time but wolfgang had a water birth and Sarah noticed, like, she pointed out that, like, he's always in the water. He's always taking baths or going swimming. Naked. Naked. <laughs> um, and um, so I really like that, how they show all of the births. And the births are actually really similar to a real birth um, in a lot of ways. They really did that justice. And I like how they showed how different it was for each mom uh, because that's really how it is it's different in every birth like I've seen a lot of babies be born and that's um so that's what kind of what I think about with Wolfgang of just how complex the beginning was for him um I thought it was really interesting that he realized at a young age that his parents were not his father was not good to him and I mean he killed his father so that's definitely awful (laughs) killing his uncle and his cousin and everything um but I just I really found that interesting because I notice a lot in society we have this um belief that because our family members are our family, we have to take care of them. We have an obligation to stick with them and to be loyal to them. And he just kind of rejected that out of hand. Um, And I don't think that's very common, Mm -hmm. even in abusive relationships, when you're really being tortured, um, there's this underlying thing, especially as a child, that like, you know, this is who you who your family is and and so you have to be loyal to them uh to some degree so I thought that was really interesting that he completely rejected that and then he he really kind of changes a lot throughout the story and I love exactly what Sarah said about how he has this darkness in him and then it gets kind of balanced out by Kala and yeah, I I sort of have a secret crush on him, but don't tell Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I promise she won't hear that part. <laughs> and, and Sarah, your thoughts on Wolfgang? Um, I like Wolfgang. There's like some fierce loyalty that he has. And, and going back to what Joyce said about how family and not necessarily family you choose is different than the family you're born into and the blood that he had coursing through his veins. He did not like the blood that he came from. 
it was a horrible representation of who he 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 was and this cluster was uh, a representation of who he wanted to become and the only person he was loyal to outside of his cluster was Felix. He was so fiercely loyal to him. And they have been around and friends with each other since they first went into detention as kids. And Felix really saw him for who he was and honored him. And they were able to connect in beautiful ways. And um, I, he takes care of him like a true family member does and it really shows up for him. And I think that speaks mounds about his character and it, he shows it uh, immensely with his cluster. And one of the things that I really like about him is he starts seeing the people in the cluster. He never questions it, never questions it once. He, it's, he just rolls with it. Like you're here. Okay, and he's he's the most composed and controlled person in that whole entire cluster. He's so calm, cool, and collected. He's sitting in the pool, not moving a muscle, but he's having this amazing sexual experience with four or five other people. <laughs> but he's not even flinching at all. And everybody else is like having their own experience. And so he's just, he's the calm, cool center of that cluster that really brings them uh, all all together in in such a way and that each one of them plays a very distinct role in the cluster and i really like that um but wolfgang i, I like him i like his character and i like how open he is and he's his you you immediately make assumptions about who he is because he's a blonde-haired blue-eyed german boy but he's very surprising and he, that sh again shows the complexity and uh, of a human being and how making assumptions is never a good thing because we're always surprised by who comes out on the other side. And he's a great example of that. <clears throat> yeah, and, and was his family, because what I kind of gathered, was his family then was in the mob then, right? That is yeah, correct, were, right? Okay. Yeah. His uncle was a king of a certain area of Berlin okay. as a drug lord. And his cousin was big into robbing and drug deals and all sorts mm -hmm. of other weird stuff. And so he, he would just do side jobs just to keep money in his pocket, but nothing really intense. But he wanted to prove his how much better he was at things by cracking the safe that his father got caught cracking that's right okay okay and so he he i think he had a journey of proving to himself what his self-worth was and i don't think he would have gotten to where he was if he did not have something to fight for by meeting kala okay yeah because that's what i i mean i'm just going off of what i had seen in there so i just wanted to clarify that okay um and then let's talk about leto Lido, he's so hilarious he's so dramatic <laughs> and i love that all the other characters acknowledge it and kind of eye roll about how dramatic he's being <laughs> and they're just oh, like god. oh god <laughs> and then um nomi actually is like saying something about it to amanita and then he appears and he's like i heard that you know <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
he's self-aware about it. And I, I think it's interesting, like, that his defining characteristic is that he's a good liar, you know, but he totally embraces that and he <laughs> uses it for benevolent purposes. It's not like, you know, he's very loyal to the people that he surrounds himself with. And so even though he's a good liar, he's like, it's because it defines him as an actor and it's not because he's trying to betray people. Um, he's really trying to use it for art and for good. And I love his relationships. I love how his boyfriend, what's his boyfriend's name? Hernando. Hernando. I love how Hernando um, really is totally loyal to him, but but expects him to be the best, best version of himself and won't allow him to get away with less than that. Um, so I, I thought the scene with his mom was really incredible after he came out. Um, and, and I thought the scene where he comes out and he tries to go home and all the press is at his house. Oh, and he, he, who is he talking to? Nomi. He, he's talking to Nomi about coming out and asking her, did you ever have to deal with anything like this when you came out? And he, so that scene is just so powerful. And um, I, I just love that, that storyline of him having to choose between his passion and his art and his life purpose and the man that he loves and the people that he loves and his family, he has to choose between all of that and recognizing that he's gay. And so it's just such a powerful storyline. And when his mom, you know, comes back and says, I really know who my friends are now because none of them are here now that you're out, but I love you anyways. Like that moment, I was just like so relieved <laughs> on his behalf because he was so afraid that she was going to reject him. Mm -hmm. And um, so I love that he finally comes to embrace who he truly is and that he surrounds himself with people that truly love him. And you, Sarah? I I like I love his character. He he's like that little gay brother you you have and I just absolutely ship him and Hernando and Daniela. They're such an amazing little thruple. It's <laughs> 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 the best way to describe it, but I I just love their dynamic and how they just come together and their journey coming out and how supportive they all are but uh Lido he he is very dramatic but also what I love about him is that he feels things so intensely and so deeply and he, he's just so sensitive like when Sun has her period he's like <laughs> I've got my period I don't know what's going on I'm so irrational it's like screaming people so in funny. traffic and crying <laughs> and then when Hernando that. breaks up with him and he's like eating a pint of ice cream and we've <laughs> all been there just sad eating ice cream and crying and then he downs a whole uh, blender full of margarita <laughs> and just, 
sad crying in the bathtub with one flip-flop and one sock on and <laughs> it's just a hot mess and it, it, that just shows that raw intensity of like losing the love of your life like that that despair and he he just feels it genuinely and honestly and then he realizes his mistake and he does everything he possibly can to get Daniela back from Joaquin and he does the best he could and one of the one of my favorite scenes is when he goes back to the bar and orders a bunch of tequila shots. I can't remember if he had six or eight different tequila shots. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I'd be on the floor. One tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor. That's That would probably be me if I had to take that many that quick. But um, I love that beautiful moment between him and the bartender where he just genuinely says, I should have said no thank you. And I could have treated you better. And he told him this is a stolen kiss because my heart belongs to another. So he's just uh, such a soulful romantic. I love that. And um, just how incredibly like his, his acting really comes out through his eyes. He is really an eye actor. Um, just like uh, Brian on uh, Queer as Folk, like you could really see the emotions and the intensity in his eyes and he brings that to to the to his character, and it's beautiful. Um, and I and I love him and Hernando together. And Hernando is just like that that grounding force of like, okay, we're gonna stay off social media. You're gonna stop eating chocolate cake and ice cream and stop binge watching your favorite show and pouting. And <laughs> like he's watched this movie like seven times, and he only watches it when he's sad. And you know, it's it. I love how they honor where each other is at, just let each other be. But then they're like, okay, now you've been here long enough. I'm going to reel you out. Let's try to get you back on track. And they're so supportive and loving towards each other. And uh, I love how Daniela adds some extra flavor to their whole relationship. But I think had he not had Daniela and Hernando to come out and really truly express who he is, he wouldn't be the person he is today. And you can see the openness and the joy and the more comfortable he is in his own body as a human being, as his character goes through the season, uh, the second season. I like that about him. Can we just talk about <laughs> Hernando and his grace with being in front of a whole class full of college students and then they like reveal his picture with Lido and how amazingly he responds to that it's just incredible like uh, did you see that scene Erin uh it doesn't ring a bell honestly that doesn't mean I didn't see it but I, it doesn't ring a bell yeah he doesn't yeah he he like just instead of getting defensive or trying to explain, you know, why there are pictures all over the internet of him with his lover, um, he transforms it into a conversation about how, you know, that picture could be viewed as, you know, just like gay porn, or it could be viewed as two lovers caught in an intimate, intimate moment you know, truly conveying love to each other and unaware of the camera. And mm -hmm. um, it's just so beautiful how he 
spins it around um, when he's being attacked. And that happens multiple times in the show. But I just love Hernando for that because he's so thoughtful and he has so much to say about art and how, you know, how it has to be free, just like love. And mm-hmm. I just love his perspective with that. So I wanted to add that because I didn't know if we were going to talk about Hernando, but I love that about him. Well, thank you for adding that. That's great. Um, and then I just want, I mean, he sounds, Lido to me sounds like a lot of actors I have known through my life. A lot of actors <laughs> can be that way. There are some actors that are just constantly on. Um, and then there are a lot of actors that are incredibly shy. So that's that's a miss conception about actors is that people think they're always like acting and that they're very very gregarious and a lot of them are a lot of them they use Mm -hmm. acting as a way to come out of their shell um and yeah a lot of actors are incredibly shy people that's interesting i didn't know that yeah um and um with with the eye acting you know i've i've said this before the sign of a great actor to me is when you see the character in the eyes, when you don't, when the character doesn't have to say anything, they don't have to do anything. You know exactly what that character is feeling just by looking in their eyes, because there are some actors that I could mention that a lot of people think are great, but I don't think they're that as talented as everybody says. I'm not going to mention them here, but, and a lot of that is because when I look in their eyes, I don't, it's blank and I don't see the character there. So you can, you know, try and hide that. But I think a truly great actor, you see it in the eyes because they're completed, completely become, they've completely become that character. So yes, I just wanted to add that in there. Okay. Well, let's talk about um, Riley. Your thoughts on Riley, Joyce? Um, I love her relationship with her dad. Can I just say it's so nice to see women especially older women having good positive relationships with their fathers. It's Mm -hmm. so nice. It's like, Oh my gosh, this does happen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I just love how sweet her dad is and how um, like, I love the scene of when she goes to the symphony and her dad is playing in the symphony and she like gives him some ecstasy, ecstasy. <laughs> him and his friends she's like dealing to her dad which is so funny um I love that scene not just because of the birth of everyone but um just because I I love the relationship with her her dad and her and um how they genuinely are themselves and I love when he's like waiting to pick her up from the airport and he's like playing the ukulele. It's so cute. <laughs> um, and she, I, I like how they kind of layered her character and like started to reveal her past trauma and how her husband died and her baby died. And um, like, you would never ever guess that when you first watch, like start watching the show, you think she's just like this, young partying dj mm-hmm. and then you realize that she's just doing that because she lost what was truly important to her and there's nothing else to do really and right. she's just trying to cope with it um and so i like how she, how complex she is and it's surprising um and i love her relationship with will and how she you know, supports him and understands that 
even though he has to stay medicated so that whispers can't find them she still knows how important it is for him to like call his dad and um she tries to do special things for him to like celebrate his birthday and it's dangerous but she she i think truly understands the value of life and how precious it is because she already lost um you know the ones that were close to her and sarah your thoughts on riley uh i at, when i first watched this show i was a little iffy about her but um one of the scenes that i really liked her in is um the what's up episode and oh, yeah. she's sitting out on on um that hill in london and she's just looking at the sunrise and just being alone and contemplating life and i think that's I think that was just a real true capture of her essence of her character where she just is genuinely just trying to connect to some peace and uh, enjoy these beautiful moments that come up. And um, she, she has some intense complexity to her character and I don't think she really uh, comes out as as who she is until really into season two and that's when she starts getting becoming more connected to other clusters and is basically the um i don't want to say matriarch but like the the uh primary female in in the cluster and is trusted to go meet the council that is protecting sensates and um she she's in tune with something different and unique that the rest of them don't have that connection with and i think that does tie into the fact that she has been a mother and she knows what it's like to um care want to care for another life and i think that was her role that was passed on to her from angelica to be that motherly figure of the group to ensure that their safety and their prosperity is uh, protected. Um, and that's, I, and it's interesting just thinking about how, how that plays out and um, just how Will and Riley together are kind of the protectors of the cluster in a very specific way. And it's, yeah, it, it's really interesting seeing her growth and just seeing her more, um, I don't want to say confident, but more um, like she has a high sense of a higher purpose. And so she flows into that really easily, even though she has these moments of questioning herself, she, she trusts where it's taking her. And it's an interesting journey for sure even in the beginning where <clears throat> she was talking to her drug dealer boyfriend and these other drug dealers where they were talking about the drug that makes you feel super connected and like she had no idea that she was about to be experiencing that without the drug and these humans were trying to chase down that experience of feeling connected and like that synthetic version to the real version she was going to experience um, it was probably monumentally ex different than um, what she could have experienced if she had taken it. 
and who knows what the what that would have done to her um sensory connection with the rest of her cluster if she had even done that drug would it have um debilitated her connection would it amplified it would it had done something else like so it's it's interesting thinking about uh, the potentials of if she had taken made a choice down this specific direction what would would that impact have been um and yeah <laughs> and um with that episode that you're talking about um is that that, that episode where they all sing what's going on the four yes. non-blonde song okay yeah because yeah. i remember because i am such a music geek yeah and anytime music plays a pivotal role <laughs> like that where everybody is experiencing the same song or singing the same song um it's kind of like a, my all-time favorite movie is magnolia and there's a scene in magnolia where they all start singing the same amy man song i love that scene yeah, and it's so powerful because you see how music connects people. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to mention that because I really liked that scene a lot. Um, and then also going back to a little bit of the the dad stuff, it is it is very rare that you – it's not necessarily very rare that you see positive dads being portrayed positively because you do see that. But it's very rare that you ever see that, I think, in a realistic light, I guess, if that right. makes sense. Um, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. So, you know, and I mean, I can't speak from experience, but I know that, you know, seeing seeing that is a very good thing to see, um, I think, and to see more of that, especially if it's realistic and not in this dreamscape of, like, you know, this imaginary dad that doesn't really exist, you know, Um so just wanted to say that. Yes, that's a really good insight, Aaron. Yeah, Yeah, because I've heard, because you guys have mentioned fathers a lot throughout this conversation. That has come up a lot. Like I've heard that more than moms being mentioned. I mean, there is motherhood, of course, is a big thing and moms are brought up. But I've heard so much brought up about relationships with fathers and dads. And that's just, and that I just thought that was interesting. So I wanted to mention that. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so, and I know that from what I saw, there is also a very um, <laughs> big, impactful relationship with this character's father, uh, Will. What are your thoughts on Will, Joyce? Um, I, I haven't put a lot of thought into Will's character, honestly. <laughs> um, there's so many characters to think about in this, in this show, Um, that I feel like I could watch the whole series again and probably analyze Will more in depth. Um, But what I have thought about is I, yes, he definitely has an interesting relationship with his father. More what impacted me was like his relationship with Riley um, and kind of how he defines himself like he very clearly defines himself as a cop and I think it's interesting that he gets addicted to heroin um and then he's just kind of able to come off of it which is also interesting like they don't really show him struggling with that and I don't know if it's because like in his mind he's a cop and it's just like not Mm -hmm. I don't know um But I do love 
how when Riley is pregnant and she's giving birth, he like can feel what it's like to be pregnant <laughs> and giving pregnant. birth. And he like freaks out and he's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy intense. Um, <laughs> that's a really funny scene. And yeah, I never noticed um, how much he is, he is kind of a protector of the, of the cluster until you mentioned that, mm-hmm. Sarah. But yeah, that's kind of true. And he, he does a lot to sacrifice and to save everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sarah, your thoughts on Will? I Will took some time to grow on me. And I think um, I, it was really hard to see him be on heroin the whole time, uh, majority of um, the season, uh, season two, where... Um, and I think the reason why he wasn't addicted to it was because there was not an emotional addiction to it. He wasn't doing it to chase a high. He was doing it to protect his cluster. And so I think the emotional disconnect from the drug was uh, a definite reason why um, probably didn't have, I'm sure he had had to go with, through withdrawal for sure, but um, you can see how it was taking a toll on his body, but um, he's definitely, um, yeah, absolutely the protector of the of the cluster. And I think that was easy for him to step into that role because he was a cop and because he lost his ability to be a police officer, he was able to step into that role and still be a protector without the badge and the gun but still use his skill sets as they became necessary. Um, uh, He definitely has some growth that happens, especially around his sexuality and his connection with the rest of his cluster. And it's not just focused around Riley. Um, Just the awareness of, oh, I had sex with Leto. And um, just how he recognizes and acknowledges his... um, just innate leadership ability to help facilitate the group moving forward. But he also doesn't take it as a place of power. Like he's better than he's just a guiding force and happy to leverage the skills and abilities of the rest of his cluster. So he's kind of, um, as I would describe it, a facilitative leader. He's protective of his his cluster, but he's not necessarily the only person in charge. And I like that about him. Great, great, wonderful. Yeah, um, and he had a, a very interesting relationship with his father, right? I mean, that's a lot of the reason he became a cop was because yeah. of his dad, right? His dad was murdered, is that correct? Or um no that's not why he became a cop why did he his dad was a cop and he was trying to find out what happened to sarah the little so when he was a kid he um could see he was connected to a little girl because he was a sense person and um he had to go to a therapist um, because everybody thought he was like crazy because he could see this little girl all the time. 
And then his dad became a cop to try and figure out what happened to the little girl. Is that what you said? No, the, his dad was already a cop, but oh. Will decided to become a cop because he wanted to find out what happened to Sarah. And it came comes out later in season two that Sarah was actually a sensate too, and Whispers was finding all these gifted children and doing experiments on them. And Will was connected to Sarah and everybody else that was sensate went to visit Sarah's parents' house saying, I've seen your daughter and this is what, what she looks like, what experience is. Um, so everybody that you see throughout the two seasons has pretty much seen Sarah as a little girl. And so she kind of becomes this icon in the sensate community of like this is like one of the almost like a, a guru of some sort that helps you transition into being a sensate and what that means and um so will made it made a promise to sarah's mom to find whispers who actually killed her or it's implied that he killed her and bring him to justice so that way um sarah's mom can have some, some sense of peace um, and he said in the episode where um, uh, Nomi and Amanita went to visit Sarah's mom, he told uh, told them that he lost his vision about why he became a cop until he looked up on the stage at the day of his graduation and he saw Sarah there and he was reminded of his purpose of being a police officer. So he was driven by something very different than most oh, police okay. officers are um, so he wanted to find justice for Sarah because that was a childhood tragedy that he could never figure out and he always got so much shit for it from his father and the rest of the people on the police force because he thought everybody thought he was crazy okay 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 see that's something I must have missed there but thank you thank you for yeah. clarifying that because I thought it was interesting that's very interesting Okay, well, are there any other characters that you guys want to make sure get a mention? I mean, I'm assuming you guys probably want to mention Whispers. I don't really want to focus on Whispers. He's okay, a... then never mind. <laughs> um, the only other one in the cluster that we haven't talked about is Caffius. Okay. Did we talk about... We didn't no, talk we about Caffius. Caffius, um, I, I like his character. He's very um, super optimistic. And he's definitely a fighter and he wants to have that constant courage. And he, I love that he always goes to Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> for his inspiration and like just this, his perspective about those films. I've never seen any of those films, but I'm not a huge Jean-Claude fan, but um, <laughs> I totally get the appeal. And um, he uses him as kind of like a guiding totem throughout his life and and which i find very interesting but i really like his relationship with his mom and his uh best friend i cannot remember his best friend's name and um the big drug dealer's daughter that he ends up um taking around for her medical appointments like he they have this little playful dynamic about being secret comic book characters and she's diana prince and 
he can't expose her identity <laughs> and it's super cute and I had to ask my daughter if I could ship people that aren't in an actual like love relationship so that was nice to get that clarification <laughs> yes you definitely can because uh, like, yeah. can I ship somebody that's not in love with each other <laughs> yeah um so it's uh he has some uh, serious driving skills, and I know that he always shows up for people in moments of sadness, and he brings some intense joy. Like when Riley's on the airplane, he's like, oh my god, you are above the clouds! <laughs> like, those are clouds! Like, that is amazing! And he brings so much beauty and context and clarity to just gratitude for the small things in life, and that's, I, I love that about his character. Yeah, I like how um, the beginning kind of shows him with his mom and how, you know, he's paying, he's doing everything that he can to pay for her medicine because she has AIDS, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, even, you know, doing stuff that you can tell kind of goes against his morals, but he's really trying to save his mom's life. And I just love their dialogue together because he's she's just like I'm you know if I wasn't here you wouldn't have to work so hard you could just enjoy your life and he's just like completely brushes that off and just is like no mom today something good is gonna happen I can feel it you know <laughs> and he's so kind to her and so compassionate with her and then they go back in the story and they talk about how he had a younger sister when he was about eight years old. She was born and he really loved her and he wanted to take care of her. But the his mom, you know, didn't have any milk and they couldn't afford to feed her and they had to take her to the orphanage. Um, but they really portray, <clears throat> even though that was such a loss for him and his mom and it was really hard, like she was his example of being the person that said, I can feel something good is going to happen today. And like, she kept having him focus on the bright side and the good. And mm -hmm. she was the example of that for him. And then he became the example of that for her mm -hmm. later on. Um, so I just really love that story and I find it so endearing. And I like that in the beginning, he doesn't feel at all like a hero or a leader um, but because he can embody other people who can fight, he accidentally becomes this like amazing <laughs> badass that he didn't, you know, he always has admired that in other people and all of a sudden he can do it. Um, and then he kind of realizes how much is expected of him because he has those abilities mm -hmm. and people want him to run for office and start advocating for others and um, he definitely steps up to the challenge. And it's really cool to see that. Um, so I just love that part of him. And I love how <laughs> um, this is just another example of how intentional this show is. And I could watch it over and over again and just always catch more things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they switched the actor from season one to season two and the first time I watched the first season uh, or the first episode of season two, when they switched him over, um, I didn't catch it at all. But the second time I watched it, I realized that like, 
the whole dialogue is like a tongue in cheek about how they acknowledge that they switched the actor, but they're not going to say it outright. And basically it's like Cotheus and his friend talking about how, you know, the heart of a person matters more than the face. And, and then his friend is like, Hey, you kind of look different. And he's like, yeah, I've been going to a different barber. And they just like, <laughs> it's so tongue in cheek and like, so on the nose, but really, um, you know, kind of playful. And I just love how they dealt with that and um, how it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, this is still the same show. And you know, you, it wasn't even a thing. Like when I, the first time I watched it, I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Why did that happen? Mm -hmm. Um, but it didn't really impact the show. And I, I found that really incredible because I know that what, like when I watch movies and, um, the characters are like such a huge part of what informs the story, Mm -hmm. you really start to identify the actor with that character and it becomes, inseparable it's so enmeshed that you think oh no if they switch the actor it'll just be ruined right they somehow pulled it off yeah great are there any other characters or any other things you want to make sure get a mention about the show before we close out Uh, i i just want to give a huge shout out to the wachowskis for their ingenious portrayal of this story i mean if you, if you watch the uh, 25 minute clip on how they filmed it they actually filmed it by location not where they were in the story and it was just phenomenal and like just how they conveyed the story in multiple ways and multiple uh locations it was just phenomenal and the racial dynamics and the um vast cast that they had that just you had every person of every color it was just beautifully done and then these inter interracial relationships that were a non-issue it is just beautiful to see how they were portrayed and like i the Wachowskis are brilliant at portraying these high concept, high level things in such a beautiful way. And they tell a story within a story within a story. And then you capture some more details that tell another story. And you, like, like Joyce said, we can watch this over and over and over again and catch something different. And it takes you deeper into the story. And mm-hmm. so I can see why there's tons of fandom about this show for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, huge fandom. Yeah. And the wiki, um on fandom the the wiki for sense eight is pretty pretty extensive so if you ever want to check that out (laughs) um (laughs) and then what do you think the lasting impact of this show could be or has been um on media in general on representation in general joyce what do you think the lasting impact has been or can be um well hopefully it, it will be a profound lasting impact. I know it definitely um, had a huge impact on me when I watched it because, you know, really everything about this show is so intentional. Like I, one of the notes that I took when I was re-watching it was just like how much research did they do? Because um, 
I was like looking up Ugandan cooking recipes for some reason during one of the episodes to like, because it was relevant, (laughs) you know, and I was like, what about this? You know, so if you sit and watch it intentionally, there's just so much information about Mm -hmm. each culture, about, you know, sexuality, about locations, about um, like, for example, um, Nomi and Amanita are like doing all this research and reading books together about quantum physics and how people are actually um, entangled with each other at distances. And it's like so interesting how we literally are connected to each other um, in a way that like most of us don't even understand. So I think like they thoroughly thought about every aspect of the show and honored so many different cultures and so many different ways of life in like a very informed and thoughtful way and told a captivating story while they were doing it. Um, and so I just find that incredibly profound. And I, I think that they come from a place of belief that things are unlimited for us and we Mm -hmm. truly are free and what we um, are limited by is just our own beliefs and they convey that in in so many aspects of, of the stories that they tell and so I hope that that liberates other storytellers and other media and other people to begin to think that way because I think that that is the true example and the true intention of how we can lift each other up is by living our best self and being our best self and and being that example to other people so that they can see that it's possible and so I think that they've done that here they've shown other people what's possible cool that's really beautiful and then you Sarah I the lasting impact I think is at least for me is seeing how uh, amazing it is to choose our own family and who we surround ourselves with and um, and i to, to, to throw an interesting quote out there, I'm going to quote Pitbull. You show me your friends, you'll, I'll show your, you your future. And that really rings true with this, this show and, and the lasting impact. Because if we surround ourselves with people that will help us grow and we can leverage each other in these amazing, connected, beautiful ways, it's amazing what we can accomplish together. And like just seeing what eight people can accomplish together as they put literally put their heads together <laughs> and um, accomplish something so huge and trying to take down a um, world organization that's discriminating against the whole entire species of people that shows the potential for power that we have to move forward in these in the black lives matter movement in the the gay rights movement in any the women's movement and and any 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 movement we want to create and and no longer have the need for we can do that if we actually honor the strengths in each other and help each other grow and um, i would love to see like 
the evolution of sexuality in our society where it's not just either or it's this beautiful panorama of interconnected relationships where we can honor and connect with people in various ways and it be okay and it not be an issue of like what are my pronouns what are what's my religion like religion was in in this show but it wasn't a major influence on sexuality or how people convey who they are as a human being it was just an, an, an addition to um their reality and it's i would love to see the continued uh evolution and use of multi-racial and multi-sexuality um actors out there and i i don't think anybody can come after this and do any better than how the wachowskis have <laughs> done this but if they do challenge accepted and good luck um but this is a beautiful art artwork and that really goes to back to my watercolor analogy at the beginning and it really speaks to how hernando speaks about artwork and it's just this beautiful representation that it's always of course in the eye of the beholder and how we choose to see things that's what we will see Beautifully put, and a great note to wrap up on. So let's go ahead, and everybody can say where they can be found if you want to be found. Or actually, I'll just skip you, Joyce, because I know you're not going to be found. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just skip over to you, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Sarah.e.alder. Um, I'm open to connecting um, nice people only. Uh, <laughs> no meanies. Um, yeah, I, that's the only platform I use, and I will always be sharing. It's a fandom thing. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you, Joyce. I'm assuming you still didn't want to be found, right? Yes, but I just like to clarify. It's not because I don't like to connect. I like people. I just don't <laughs> want to be famous because I'm shy. <laughs> Which means she'd be be a great actor. <laughs> See? See? Yes. <laughs> Okay, well, and this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Make sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. And please, please, if you get a chance, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get found. Also, follow us there. Um, or all or any plat any podcast platform you choose, like Spotify as well. Um, and if you have any feedback, anything you want to mention about Sense Eight or anything else, feel free to shoot us an email at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail dot com. And remember, also, um, if you want to, you can sponsor the show for as little as ninety nine cents a month. And like I said at the beginning. All proceeds from that will be donated to Black Lives Matter organizations through September 1st at least. And then after that, it'll probably be at least a portion of it will be donated to various organizations. And on next week's show, we are going to wrap up our Pride Month celebration with a discussion of representation in film. So that should be a good one, especially since I am a film geek. So <laughs> until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter.
Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.